Burns sermon series talking about relational conflict. And uh, I'm really excited to wrap things up today um, because it's been a powerful series. It's been a powerful uh, move of God in your heart as I'm hearing just stories of stories of people taking on the, the challenge of going and being a peacemaker and working through brokenness, working through hurt, and choosing to be a people that uh, work for a relationship, fight for a relationship. And um, I'm excited to see how God's going to continue to bear fruitfulness in your guys' hearts as you guys continue to fight for relationship, not fighting to be right. And uh, we're wrapping up today talking about uh, anger. And anger is one of those things that, as I've been spending time this last week thinking about anger and, and looking at the Word of God, um, man, it's the root of so many different things that play out in our lives. And I know in my own life, um, there was a time, there was a season where um, someone who loved me and cared about me uh, kept coming up to me and asking me if I was okay. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I swear I'm fine. And they would say, well, it doesn't seem like you're fine, especially when you come into a room or you come into an environment. You've got this like look. And I just call it the Jordan look, the Jordan scowl. It's like this. And it's this intense look. And, and I'm an intense guy. And, and this is just normal. Like, this is, I'm fine when, I'm, when I look this way. And they're like, well, you don't, you don't seem fine. Like, you seem angry. You seem intense. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, and slowly over time, they, they began to kind of show me what that look looked like. And I began to become aware about what I look like. And I would come home and I actually look in the mirror. And, oh, yeah, that is pretty intense look that I've got going. And realizing that creates an environment, right? And uh, so I had to learn how to smile. <laughs> I had to learn that that's the, 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 the face that you, you show to a group of people that you're glad to see and, and full of joy to see. And, and as time went on, uh, this, this disciple maker in my life who walked beside me and coached me began to reveal as he asked questions about why did I approach life with so much intensity? Why am I always so intense? And that was the thing that God had given me, but not only had God given me that, but I think there was also broken, I know there was brokenness that he was beginning to reveal in my life. And what that brokenness was is that I was actually, I had a low level grade of, of anger that I was wrestling with. Angry with God, angry with people, angry with like situations and feeling like God was holding out on me, that God wasn't a God that was for me, that he wasn't relentless in his love for me and wrestling with the injustice of the world, wrestling with why things didn't play out the way I thought they'd play out, all sorts of different things. And I think that all of us, to a certain extent, like we wrestle with anger probably almost every day, if we're honest. Things that we wrestle with. And you might be saying, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Well, I think they're connected, aren't they? I just want you to just listen to this list of words that we all struggle with when it comes to just life. We all struggle with relationships. We also always struggle. We, we have a tendency to struggle with anger in our relationships. It's, it's normal for us to experience those things. List of things. 
that lead from anger to other things. Envy, jealousy, disgust, content, revulsion, frustration, irritation, aggravation, annoyance, grouchiness, grumpiness, irritation, bitterness, fury, hate, hostility, loathing, outrage, rage, resentment, scorn, spite, vengefulness, wrath, torment. All rooted in probably anger. And what happens oftentimes in the church is that we don't really create safe environments for people to actually work through their stuff. We actually kind of do one of two things. We say, the Bible says not to be angry, so don't be angry and just repress it. Put it down deep within and don't, don't talk about it. Don't, don't work through it. Just like, let's not do that, right? The other end of the spectrum says, well, you need to express it. You need to get that stuff out. But then it comes out in all sorts of different ways that aren't really healthy, right? And both of those, like, don't work. And it's not actually what God's actually called us to when it comes to when we experience anger. What we're actually supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? When we're in a relationship and we feel anger and we feel hurt, what are we supposed to do with that? What does God's word say? For today, I want to use this working definition of what anger, where it comes from. Anger comes from an assault or an offense that we experience. An assault or an offense that we experience. Oftentimes when it comes to this idea of anger, it's this idea that um, what we long for, what we hope for, what we, what we desire is actually keeping us from experiencing that which we long for or desire. There's something that gets in the way of what I think is going to make me whole. And whatever gets in the way of that, I become angry. Whatever it is. Whatever it is that we perceive that's going to make us whole. If that, that which we perceive that's going to make me whole, something gets in the way. A situation, a person Whatever it is, fury, anger, rage takes place. And it always starts from within. It always starts from within us. We begin to feel anger. James talks about it in James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You're fighting? You're wrestling? What, what, what's causing that to take place? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. There's something within us that we long for. We don't get it. We get angry. We get frustrated. Fights begin to take place. Relational brokenness takes place. And for us, even as adults, you would think that anger would be something that we master over time. And for some of us, We've grown out of that, but for some of us, as we get older, we get angrier. Because life has a way of, of wounding us over and over and over again to the point where we become cynical about, well, I have hope, but no, like it's going to play out just like every single situation. Every single time I have hope, this is what happens. And we live in this world where we become angrier and we become grumpier and relationships continue to be just broken. Is that what God has for us? I think he has more for us. 
Another way to put it is uh, when it comes to anger and understanding anger, what keeps us from experiencing wholeness. Um, you've heard this illustration from me before, but it, if you've been here, just bear with me. For those of you guys that are new, hopefully you'll appreciate it. But when, when you have kids, one of the things that you learn is they have obviously a very limited vocabulary and they're growing their vocabulary. But um, as they grow in their vocabulary, especially as toddlers, they probably learn mom and dad. They learn yes and no. Probably the next word that they learn has to do with their toys and not sharing with other toddlers their toys. And they use this word to let everybody know that this is, this is not yours. It's mine, right? At a very young age, like, it becomes very apparent that we as humans, we live in a, in a depraved state, in a selfish state where, where we don't live with God and others in mind. We think of only ourselves in mind. And that toddler is letting the world know that this toy, which is mine, is mine. And that toy is what brings me joy. That toy is what brings me peace. That toy is what brings me wholeness. And if you take it away now, like, I'm not okay. I become angry, right? And we have to help walk beside our kids and teach them that sharing is God's goodness for us. That there's other things that bring wholeness into our lives. And then as we get older, sometimes we don't learn that. Sometimes we are always, as human beings, looking for that thing that satisfies. We're looking for that shiny new toy, right? The old F-150 just isn't cutting it, and I got to get a new trailer. And because I get a new trailer, then I got to get a what? A new truck, too, right? The new toy, the new job, the new thing, whatever it is, that that's what's going to actually satisfy my soul. Maybe you might be saying, nah, toys isn't the thing, the new shiny thing, that isn't the thing. Maybe it's your sense of having control. And when you don't have control, you become angry, frustrated, because life as you know it isn't working. And you become angry because that thing that you long for, there's something in the way that's keeping you from experiencing the wholeness that God wants for you, but is it really that thing that's going to bring wholeness, going to bring peace? Is all anger rooted in this way? Is all anger bad? Is all anger something that we shouldn't experience? Should we just all repress all anger? Henry Cloud puts it this way. Anger can be both good and bad, like any other emotion. We are created in God's image and have anger like him when something good is violated. Our anger is an emotion that rises us uh, up in us to protect what we value. There are things that happen in your life. There are things that happen in this world that you look at, and that's, that's, that's a violation of God's goodness. It's not supposed to be like that. Is it okay to be angry about that? Absolutely. But I want you to notice on that quote, to protect what we value. When we become angry, the question we got to ask ourselves is what is it that I'm trying to protect? What is it that I perceive that's valuable? And is it right for me to actually move into a place of being angry? What are you trying to protect that you perceive as valuable? Is all anger sin? Henry Cloud says that not all anger is sin. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, 26. In your anger, what's it say up there? In your anger, what's it say? Do not sin. Which means... That not all anger is actually sin. And then he goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Paul says, it's okay to be angry. 
The question is, what are you angry about? And don't let the anger lead you to sin and, and, and try to resolve your anger before the end of the day. Why are you angry? What's going on inside of you? Amazing, powerful words of working through conflict by the end of the day. Don't remain angry. And yet, what are we angry about? And is it something we should be angry about? Is, is this a righteous anger or an unrighteous anger? And I think oftentimes for us in the world, we have a hard time knowing what is good, righteous anger and what is unrighteous anger because it's just anger. We just kind of blur it all together. Kind of like this picture. See this picture? What is that up there? Ketchup. What kind of ketchup? Packets of ketchup, right? And even though there's all different kinds, like it all is just ketchup packets. It all just kind of blurs together. But when you begin to really understand that there are different types of ketchup packets, then you begin to realize, okay, like there are different types of anger. And the question is, is it good or is it not good? For example, let me show you this next picture. These are two very distinct different types of ketchup packet. Can I get an amen this morning? For those of you that are Chick-fil-A, anybody Chick-fil-A? All right. I go to Chick-fil-A because of the ketchup packets. I'm just gonna be honest with you, right? I, I am a squeezer, not a dipper. Any squeezers? Squeezers? Okay, the, not as many. This are dippers. How many of you don't even care? You're like, it's all ketchup packets, right? <laughs> you don't even care. I don't even know what you're talking about, Justin. But you look at those like, those are two different ketchup packets. But the world struggles just say it's all anger. It shall be repressed. It all should be expressed. The Bible says that's not true. It's okay to be angry. That when you're angry, you're actually showing the image of God in you. As long as it aligns with the same values and heart that God has. How do we know? How do we know if this is something that we should be angry about with this situation, this relationship, this, this circumstance? Dan Allender puts it this way in Cry of the Soul. He says, righteous anger, righteous anger warns, invites, and wounds for the greater work of redemption. It is full of strength that is neither defensive nor vindictive and is permeated by a sadness that is rich in desire and hope. It's a pretty deep statement, isn't it? Like you probably marinate on that all week. Like, is my anger righteous? On the flip side, he says this about unrighteous anger. The person filled with unrighteous anger suppresses the freedom of others, trying to force submission. His anger consumes the others, filling an emptiness that demands satisfaction and refuses to cry out in humble, vulnerable need. Unrighteous anger condemns any who stand opposed to its pursuit of control. Unrighteous anger is a dark energy that demands for the self a more tolerable world now, instead of waiting for God's redemption according to divine design and timing. Dan's a very deep thinker. When I read those two statements, I summarize it down to this. Righteous and unrighteous anger has two very different goals in mind. Unrighteous anger is about self. Unrighteous anger is about satisfying this thing inside of me that I have to have in order to have peace. Unrighteous anger is rooted in what I want and what I need. Righteous anger is actually rooted in what God wants and what is best for the other individual. It's what brings peace. It's what brings shalom. It's what brings 
the world together and trying to bring about justice in a world that's full of injustice. So, when it comes to unrighteous anger, what do we do with it? Paul puts it this way. I love that we got to celebrate baptism today and Roger getting baptized because the context of of Colossians chapter three is, is that idea in mind. As Paul kind of references this idea of being born again. And he says that when you are rooted in Jesus, that you become a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And so he's writing to the church in Colossae, reminding them, saying, remember when you accepted Jesus. Remember when you took on this new life. Remember when you chose to follow after him. You are supposed to take off the old life, the worldly life, the flesh-ruled life, and live a spiritual life, a life that's rooted in Jesus, the Jesus way of living. And he says to put death, put to death a whole lot of things. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming, the anger of God, the righteous wrath, righteous anger, anger, anger God, he's coming. He's going to make all the things that are wrong, right. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Rage, anger, there it is. Rid yourself of anger, unrighteous anger. Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed and knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, this is important, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, what's that next statement say? What's it say? What's it say? Clothe. Clothe yourselves. Put on clothes. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which bind them all together in perfect unity. Put on new clothes. The new life. The anger that you have, forgive. Give grace. Put that on. So this week I got the opportunity to go uh, camping in one of my favorite spots in Idaho because it's at almost 6,500 feet in elevation, which means it's nice and cool up in the mountains. Can I get an amen on that? Like morning, waking up and drinking coffee and not already being hot in the morning. Just love it, right? And as we were coming down, uh, I asked Nash, hey, uh, can you move the phone off airplane mode? I got I to gotta prepare myself for this heat. Like, what's coming? I don't know what's coming, right? And she goes, oh, boy. I'm like, what? She's like, it's supposed to be 104 tomorrow. I'm like, oh, no, right? 104, 104 degrees. And uh, we're going to be going to a conference later this week up to North Idaho. And normally in North Idaho, like, it's a little bit cooler. No, it's going to be hot up there, too. Just come on, Lord. Come on. Give me a break, right? And it dawned on me as I was thinking about uh, this passage uh, through the week and driving down. Um, what would you think if I showed up today clothed in winter clothes? Yeah. 
140, what, Justin, what are you doing? And so I even brought the clothes this morning just to give you an idea of like my Idaho redneck. Uh, this is what I wear when I go and cut down my tree for Christmas because that's what you do in Idaho. You cut down your tree for your living room. You don't go buy it at this you know, parking lot. You don't do that, right? If you need help on how to do that, just come talk to me. The rest of you guys are like, geez, kind of judgy, Pastor. Anyway. <laughs> This is what I wear right here. And then I got this um, given to me by a former, or not a former, a veteran. He's like, you want some warm clothing for winter? I'm like, absolutely. So I wear this because it's so warm, so amazing. I'm not going to put on my wool pants this morning, okay? But I got my wool pants here. This is what I wear because it's cold outside. You got to clothe yourself with warm clothing, right? But if I walked in here at 105 degree temperatures, and was wearing this, you all would look at me really funny. And you'd come up to me if you knew me well enough and you would ask this question. Why? Why? And I would stand out, wouldn't I? And Paul says when it comes to your anger, don't let your anger, unrighteous anger, don't let it rule you. That's your old way of living. Put on new clothes. Put on new clothes. And I want to tell you that when you put on new clothes, you guys, when you live the kingdom life that's different than the rest of the world, you're going to get probably two reactions. The one reaction is going to be, why? I almost forgot my beanie. Why? And honestly, you're probably going to get people that are getting, going to get even more mad. And honestly, they'll probably potentially persecute you. More so. Because they're not going to understand. And more anger is going to dive into their hearts and they'll probably take it out on you, take it out on other people. Because we talked about it week one. Hurt people. What do they do? And you may begin to understand a little bit, just a little bit of what Jesus was going through as he's dying on the cross, loving on people, and they just continue to hurl insults at him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You'll probably get that reaction when you offer grace and forgiveness and fight for relationship and you don't hurl anger and insults, the world won't understand. Christians probably won't understand. But there's also going to be another reaction. And this is going to be the reaction. They're going to ask why. They're not asking why in an anger, vindictive way. They're actually asking because they're actually very curious. Because they're able to go, if I, if I was in that situation, I know I would respond this way, but you're responding this way. Can you help me understand? And this is an amazing opportunity to let them know about a God who loves you and forgives you, and you have the opportunity to say, I'm going to choose forgiveness, and I'm going to choose peacemaking, and I'm going to choose grace because I have a God who saved me for my own sin and for my own brokenness, and I have peace now, 
because I have a God who pursues me with everything that he has. Don't be surprised if that's the response. God longs for us to live out the righteousness of God by putting away unrighteous anger and living out righteous anger. This is the way of Jesus. This is what, it, this is what actually makes us whole. These other things that we think are gonna make us whole, it doesn't. Only Jesus can make us whole. And this puts God on display. This shows the world what Jesus is like. How do I know if my anger is righteous or not? Here's some questions I want you just to think about. Why are you angry? What assault have you experienced? What are you trying to satisfy? What are you trying to control? What are you afraid of? If your answers are about being intellectually right, about being superior to others, about looking good to the rest of the world, putting on an appearance, maybe your motivations aren't tied to the righteousness of God. But if your heart is about a deepening heart for people and their relationship with God, maybe you are justified in your anger. Righteous anger is willing to wait for justice. It's, it's, it's either going to happen in this life or in the life to come. Righteous anger is willing to wait for that justice. Righteous anger warns. Dan Allender says later on in his book, righteous anger warns, invites change, and it wounds. True anger is paradoxical, and it has the strength to inflict pain, but it burns with the desire for reconciliation. It is bold, but it is also broken. Righteous anger wounds when the warning and desire to bless continue to be violated. Anger is a taste of hell that calls the arrogant offender to repentance. Whew. Heavy. But it's rooted in what's best for the other person. Righteous anger desires to bless, to give, not to take. And righteous anger is ultimately about loving others in the hopes of repentance. And it's rarely exhibited well. Would you agree with that? I mean, looking back in your life, how often can you go, man, that was righteous anger, and that was actually exhibited well. That was displayed well. Why? Because it's such a strong emotion, and I know in my own life, that emotion moves me to a fleshly place more often than it does a godly place. But how can we wrestle with knowing where we're at with our anger we're called to distinguish the difference between the two and show the world what God's like. How can we differentiate between the two? James 1.19 puts it this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, what are some things that we can think about when it comes to this over the next couple days, weeks, months? You're angry. Okay, what do you do with that? The first one is, the Bible says to be still. The world says not to be still. The world says you're angry, react, right? The Bible says be still, be still. Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Justice, right? Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. You're angry? Be still. Number two, wait. Psalm 37 says, be still and wait. 
We're like, well, I've been still. I gotta wait some more? Yes. Be still. Wait. Don't react. Don't react out of your anger. Instead, be still. Wait. Ponder. Ponder. Why am I angry? What's going on inside of me? Quit demonizing. Quit villainizing. Wait. Ponder. Psalm 4.4. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Those restless nights when you're laying in bed, wrestling, it's actually a good thing. Why am I angry? What's going on inside of me? Why am I angry? Is this worth being angry over? What am I trying to protect? What is it that I value? And then lastly, process. Process. Process with safe people. What's going on inside of you? Process all the different things that are going on inside your heart and inside your soul. You've got to have a safe place to process with safe people. And when you do that, people are going to listen. And if they're really wise and really mature, they're not going to fix you. They're just going to listen. But if you're courageous enough, you can ask this question. What did you hear me say? You got any feedback for me? And when they ask, when you ask that question, a godly person is going to give you godly wisdom, godly things to think about, things to pray about. And they're probably going to tell you, go be a peacemaker. You need to go talk to them about it. Work through the relational conflict. Fight for a relationship. Don't fight to be right. Or they're going to tell you, you need to forgive, man. You don't need to be angry about that. Is it worth being angry over? And they're going to give you wisdom. And they're probably going to ask you a lot more questions too. We have this amazing opportunity to show the world what real messy relationship looks like. In a world, have you noticed, the world's pretty angry right now. But you have the opportunity to show them what it means to be a light, what it means to surrender to Jesus, what it means to experience his goodness and his wholeness in our lives and in the lives of others. So as we wrap up today and we get ready to take communion, I just want to invite you to bow your heads. We've been talking about this almost every single week. Who's the person that you know you need to have a conversation with? That you need to work through some stuff with them? That you've got anger? You want to let it go? Maybe the Lord's telling you you need to let it go. You need to forgive. You need to work fight for a relationship. Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you are ready to go and have a conversation to be a peacemaker. Whatever your next step is, my prayer for you is that you'd pray for that person. You pray for your heart, that you know that you would do your part, that God is doing his, that you would trust that God is doing his, and you'd pray that that person would do their part. Spend time praying for that relationship this morning.